But I am among you as the one who serves. Luke chapter 22, verse 27. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So when Jesus says this verse that I just quoted, the word, when he says the one who serves, you could also translate it as waiter. I am among you like a waiter or like a butler among the lower class of servants in the household, which is exactly the role Jesus takes. He who is in reality the greatest, highest king takes the absolute lowest role on the pecking order when he comes among us. And this tells us a lot about God. Jesus explicitly makes the contrast that unlike kings of this world who love to make big shows of how mighty they are, the mightiest king of all doesn't make any show. He actually does the opposite. He veils his glory and his might and comes among us humbly. As he says elsewhere in the Gospels, I'm meek and lowly of heart. Like a waiter attending to the needs of others rather than his own needs. And it's there's sort of this tragic irony, right, when we look at the life of Jesus compared to our lives. Like here he is, the immortal king through whom the whole universe was made, and he's carrying himself so humbly. And here we are, our lives are like these tiny breaths. The, the scriptures compare it to a breath, to the grass that flourishes for a morning and then is trampled. You know, our life is but a puff of wind. We're these tiny small creatures, but we carry ourselves as if really we are the emperors of this world and everyone should really be honoring all of my needs and expectations. Jesus, there's actually something embarrassing in standing next to Jesus and realizing how different, how differently he carries himself from how we do. Jesus uh, attends to our needs. And I think there's also this, you know, so much of the gospel is about these ups and downs that Jesus, who is the greatest, he makes himself the lowest and he serves us. But if you get served by a king, that means you are a king, right? The only person in sort of real world monarchies that would serve a king would be some other king. And in fact, that's what happens, that Jesus in lowering himself then elevates us, that he has made us worthy by serving us. And that he, the king, I mean, if, I don't know, if the, the president of the United States came and, you know, sort of gave you something for, for, that you needed, you'd be like, wow, I must be something special if this special person would do this to me. And in fact, that's exactly what's happened. That by Jesus serving us, he makes us into what he's calling us to be a royal priesthood, right? Kings and queens in God. My daughters would like that. Did you know that? That God in a way makes us like, well, you guys like princesses and us like princes. It's true. We've been exalted by his service. But we've been exalted not to then sort of carry out our fleshly ways of being like sort of self-impressed and trying to wield our way with others. We've been exalted to be a, a king with like a little K, a king like he is, right? a king who's humble and who serves. He washed feet, so therefore we are to wash feet, literally, like in tonight's service, but also metaphorically, right? in attending to the, the, the needs of others uh, and specifically doing the chores and the tasks that appear menial and to do them with willingness. It says in John chapter 13, I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So he is lifting us up. 
to be royal like he is royal in serving. There's kind of this up, but this sort of cycle almost of, humi- of humbling and exaltation. Um, but even though it is the case that we, Jesus very explicitly says we're supposed to imitate him, there will always be something totally singular and unique in Jesus' service. So if we think of him like a waiter, right, and a waiter brings out something, what is Jesus bringing out? What is he serving at the table? And the mysterious and wonderful answer is he's offering himself, right? He's serving himself. He presents us with his own body. He takes simple bread and simple wine and he says, this is my body and this is my blood. And he offers us his own substance. This is my body, eat it, right? This is my blood, drink it, which is strange. It's supposed to be strange. Jesus is actually introducing us to something that didn't exist before he said it. That's why we commemorated on Monday, Thursday, the day he just instituted this wild, strange thing, this means to an end, this ordinary meal that gets transformed by his Holy Spirit to be a means to an end of more profoundly participating in his life. In actually being nourished by him and having his life. Each one of us who has faith in Jesus, we have the Spirit of Christ living in us. But every time we participate in this meal that he instituted, it's like his life gets more deeply um, planted in the soil of our hearts. And, and the mercy and the forgiveness that we've received gets refreshed. Right? I know that uh, uh, many of you grew up in a church where there, there were altar calls. But there wasn't an actual altar. There wasn't actually a meal to be refreshed by. It was just coming forward with yourself, which is an offering to be sure. But when we gather for the meal, we don't just present ourselves. We actually receive himself. And we say, yes, I want your forgiveness again today. I need your forgiveness again today. Don't just sort of wash out the sort of surface stain of my sins. What? Keep washing. Keep filling me with your own atoning blood and rooting me in your immortal body that sits in heaven. It's no accident, it's actually his perfect providence that when Jesus died and they pierced his side, do you remember what comes out of his side when he dies? Two things, water and blood, right? Two things which he wields in a symbolic way the night before he died. He uses water to wash the feet, right? And he calls the the wine, he calls it his blood. And in Holy Church, through the water of baptism, through the bread and wine of communion, Jesus refreshes his connection with us and we receive afresh his mercy and forgiveness. He serves us himself. If this is a difficult saying, it was difficult in Jesus' day. It says in John chapter 6 when he first introduces this teaching and he says, my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. It says that a large portion of the crowd was like, this is too crazy. It's a hard saying. I'm gone. But Jesus says, um, and he invites us to take him at his word and believe what he says. That in some mysterious way, we don't, to this day, no theologian on earth knows how it works. Right? We don't know how it works, we just know that it does work. That when we feast on blessed bread and wine in this communion service, we actually are nourished by Jesus himself. He is the waiter serving us himself. And it's by receiving him that we are transformed from the inside out. Right? God isn't just giving us rules for us to externally obey. He 
He's giving us His own life to empower us to live like He did, to live like a servant, that we're actually, um, through feasting on His life, we are becoming more and more like Him. It was St. Augustine, 1600 years ago, who said, you are what you eat. And he meant it about communion. If you feast on communion, by the Holy Spirit, you come with faith, you will become more like Jesus as you're nourished on Him. Which is another way of saying you will also become more like a servant, more like He is. That if you are a Christian for years and years and years, and you don't see some trajectory of becoming more like a servant, then you're probably not doing it right. Right? The, the Christian life should bring us lower and gentler and meeker and humbler. We are called to be servants ourselves, serving God and serving each other, just like Jesus did. Right? He was serving the Father and he was serving his disciples, serving the church. We're called into that very same life by his grace and with his help. Amen.